Hello and welcome to Technically Speaking, where scientists and engineers come together to chat about a common interest, share knowledge and satisfy some curiosity. I'm Laura and in this episode I'm joined by Ellie and Jasmine to talk about fake meat and meat alternatives, how they're made and if they're better than just meat from an animal. Um, so to start off with, Ellie, what meat substitutes do you eat and why? So I have got into these meat substitutes because I'm trying to be better about the fact that the climate is on fire, the world is burning, all of these things. And I still want to make the recipes that I know and like, but I want to make it in a more sustainable way. So I've got into corn a lot, I eat a lot of corn, especially um, corn dinosaurs, <laughs> which I was never into chicken nuggets, really. But a corn dinosaur is delicious and fun and dinosaur shaped. So I've also got into What the Cluck, which is a great title for any fake meat company, which is, I think, the most chickeny, not chicken meat alternative. A few other ones. I like the Heck uh, vegan or vegetarian sausages. They're pretty good. I think they're made with peas. And I mean, if it's a fake meat, I will give it a go. I like to see how close they are to the real thing. And I like to make the recipes in the same way. So if it's the if it's the close alternative, then I'll use it. Fair enough. So it sounds like you do a bit of experimenting with your diet in your meals. I think that's fair to say. I like to mix it up. Also, I'm quite a cheapskate. So if I see a fake meat alternative is cheaper than a meat product, I will usually buy the fake meat and see what it tastes like. And they are often cheaper. Uh, see, every time I've looked, it might just be that I'm quite limited where I live, but they're always more expensive. And I always find it odd that something that's essentially grown in a big vat in a factory is more expensive than an animal that's been roaming around a field for however long. And if they are meant to be more environmentally friendly, if they have fewer greenhouse gas emissions associated with the fat-grown meat alternatives, I feel like there should be more of an incentive to eat them. They should be a lot cheaper than the meat in that case. Yeah, I find that they are, usually. But then I, I wouldn't buy beef anyway, so I probably maybe I'm a bit out of touch as to how much it's actually costing. Ah, maybe I'll have another look. It's been a while since I last did. Jasmine, what about you? Do you eat meat or um, meat alternative products? So I've been veggie for like, I think it's going to be 10 years this year. I don't eat meat because I don't like the taste or texture of it. That also means that I'm kind of a very chill veggie. So I don't particularly care if I'm using a utensil and it's touched meat or if there's a dish, it's got some meat and I'll just eat around the meat. I will eat meat if I have to. So if I'm in a place where it's really hard to be vegetarian or my mum forces me to eat some fish, I will eat the meat. (laughs) So you will if you're force fed, but otherwise it's not necessarily for moral reasons or climate reasons. It's just because you don't like it. Yeah, I just don't like it. Fair enough. I'll tell you one thing I don't like about washing up on a day where we've had meat in the evening meal, which is the only time I eat meat. It's a lot greasier than our vegetable based dishes. Most of our veggie-based dishes are um, beans and lentils. So similar to Ellie, I like eating the dishes I normally eat. Mm. But I just like, if I'm making a spag bol, I just use lentils and some oil rather than putting like minced beef in it. And I've got a really good bean burger recipe. So I think I wouldn't really miss a lot of meat from my diet if we didn't buy it anyway. <laughs> and the main reason I go for the beans and lentils route is I feel more in control of what I'm eating rather than thinking, well, someone's put a thing through a factory, like they've taken some peas and they've processed the protein out of it and then done something else to it i don't really know what's happened to those peas or those beans whereas at least if i buy just a packet of beans from the supermarket i assume that they've just been grown and then dried and packaged so uh it's interesting to see we've all got different reasons for doing what we do (laughs) oh yeah i do think the beans and the lentils is a good option like i do try and uh, throw in some chickpeas every once in a while 
and they are much cheaper. And I do love a poi lentil spaghetti bolognese. Pretty good. Yeah, and they last a lot longer when you're storing them. It's one of the reasons we started eating more beans and fewer meat-based dishes was because uh, at the start of the pandemic, my entire household suddenly had to self-isolate. And we refused to panic buy before that, knowing we had enough food in the house and it would mostly be bean-based. And then we came <laughs> up with some good recipes. <laughs> <laughs> One plus of the pandemic and being forced to stay at home for two weeks. And eat beans. <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying that the, the meat alternative products or the, the fake meats, as you might want to call them, yeah, basically just a pea or a bean or something, starts off as a protein-rich vegetable-based source and then has been filled about with in some way, essentially, by chemical engineers, is what I think. <laughs> <laughs> You're always getting up to stuff. Yeah, give them a texture and taste similar to meat. And uh, uh, what's really in it? How nutritious is it? So do you guys pay attention to what is in these meat alternative products that you're eating? Yeah, so whenever I'm buying or choosing which product to buy, I'm usually looking at the nutritional information, not necessarily the ingredients, but I'm looking at what has more protein, low fat, low carbs. And like sometimes you'll be surprised by when you're looking at a packet of fake meat sausages or vegan sausages and they're mostly carbohydrates and you're like... No, no, that's not what I want. But I guess if they are vegetable based, you'd think there would be a lot of carbs in a vegetable based thing, complex carbs. Yeah, they would. But if you want to like have it kind of like replicating like a fake sausage versus a real sausage, like it should still be like mostly protein. You eat meat because it's a source of protein, not because it's like a good source of carbohydrates and fiber. That is true. But then again, some meat based sausages. I would suspect have a lot of things in that aren't meat derived. Yeah, the really cheap ones. Yeah. I gotta say the only sausages we buy are from the local butcher. And I live in Cumbria where we have Cumberland sausages. Yeah, you got the good ones. <laughs> that is the only thing we will buy. My favourite fake sausages are I think brands called Cauldron. They're Cumbria's sausages. I just like the herb mix in those sausages. And they've got a good protein content because I need to get my protein. What about you, Ellie? Do you sort of sit there looking at the, the packaging from like, what the cluck and whoever else and say, oh, well, that one's got like 10% protein, that one's got 20%. I am very surface level, I think. I don't compare protein levels at all. But I do always like to see like what it's made of. Like if it's not made of meat, how are they making it? So I think the main ones that I come across are soya protein as like a base. Pea protein seems to be everywhere. And then obviously corn is like a special mould or a fungi or something that they must grow in a special way because I think corn have the like patent or the like monopoly on just using that. And I see soy and I see pea a lot, but then I don't see this corn fungus in other products so that one's quite interesting to me i feel like it's a mystery how yeah. they're actually making it corn in terms of like how you categorize like fake meat corn would be what's known as a microbial protein microbial biomass producing a bioreactor so it's like different to like the other fake meats which are like plant-based proteins which have been processed to have the same texture as meat products uh, this is chemical engineer speaks yes <laughs> <laughs> so a bioreactor is basically you have some biological material. Yeah. I think it's, it's some sort of like a soil fungus, isn't it, for corn? Uh, I think so. There's, they don't give you much information. I think there's some fermentation involved in making corn. So that's made in a bioreactor, so a biological thing, doing its biological stuff yeah. to produce a protein, presumably. Whereas the, the ones that are made from peas or the beans, they sort of, they take a raw product and they start stripping things out, I guess, in a different chemical engineering process. Yeah, so when you look into how different companies who produce the fake meat products and sell to supermarkets and places, it's quite hard trying to find exactly what processes they use. But in general, 
you take, you'll isolate out the vegetable protein and you then basically do different stuff to it. So different types of like pressure, heating, cooling processes to get it into the texture that kind of resembles different types of meat products. So if you want something that's like a mince, so if you want something that's a bit more like kind of like a burgery texture or something that's a bit more dense for a sausage or try to get whatever the texture that bacon is. I'm still yet to find a, a decent fake bacon. <laughs> oh, I've met. I've tried many options. Yeah, that one's tricky. So then you do that, then you add different products to it. So like flavors, the main one, but also coloring agents. So in a lot of products that are supposed to be mimicking like red meat products, so burgers, sausages, beetroot's a key ingredient just to get that ready color. Yeah, I have packets with me because I've been saving them up this episode. <laughs> so I have one for Better Naked, which is delicious plant-based mints. And that does contain beetroot powder. Its main ingredient is pea protein and then just salt, water, vitamin B12 and zinc and iron and little things like that. And then the other one is uh, meatless farm mints. And that also does have beetroot extract in. So you may be unknowingly eating a lot of beetroot if you're yeah. not eating meat. Uh, another thing about all these fake meat products is that a lot of the products like have different minerals and vitamins added to it. So vitamin B12, I think, is quite commonly added to a or it's just like enriched in a lot of these fake meat products just because when you're starting off with like just the vegetable protein, like there's not that much nutrition in it in terms of like minerals and vitamins. You need to add stuff to it. So it's not just protein. I mean, I can't just be sustained on tiny peas powder mushed into different <laughs> sausage shapes <Can> try <laughs> b12 is one of the ones that i'd heard um that is only made by animals you can only get it from animal products yeah i guess otherwise you have to synthesize it in a lab to then add it to vegan food products yeah so the thing about b12 is you get it from animals because vitamin b12 is produced by i think it's a bacteria when cow sheep and whatever animals they eat foods like not been sterilized so like when they're eating outside they will like naturally just eat some dirt with their food and then I think it's in their guts that will then synthesize some vitamin b12 and then over their lifespan they'll accumulate b12 in their flesh and then when you eat the cow or the pig or the other animal then you'll get b12 that way but even for like meat eaters because there's just a lot of like exposure during animal and livestock rearing there's a lot of exposure to antibiotics pesticides etc so meat products now actually will have less b12 than they did like 10 20 years ago just because modern hygiene is getting better so there's less exposure to all the dirt and bacteria does that mean that we would also make b12 if we kind of just lived in the wild yeah <laughs> i think there are some plant-based foods that have been known either have b12 would be very good for like producing b12 i think there's some kind of mushrooms but that's thing that's because of the um, dirt you'd normally get i just have this image of laura like roaming around the wilds of cumbria <laughs> like eating mushrooms <laughs> in the ground and like snuffling up dirt bacteria and things well although i grow my own carrots and things and i'm not too careful about how clean they are when i pull them out the ground and then start munching on them i give them a bit of a rinse so i probably am getting some soil in my diet anyway you're probably making a little bit of beef off <laughs> it's in dairy as well right i've gone like the whole hog i've gone vegan so like if i'm not eating that much meat but I'm still drinking milk and eggs. Like, there's got to be B12 in that. Yeah, I think there is, just because, like, the animal that was producing those milk and eggs, they would have, like, been producing B12 if they're eating a diet that allows them to make B12 in their guts. I take a multivitamin every single day, so I just like to be extra prepared in terms of making sure I get all my vitamins and minerals. I feel like you would know 
if you were like really severely lacking you'd be at the doctors being like i don't feel very well yeah you would because b12 is important for the nervous system and also for making red blood cells so if you're deficient in b12 that you would definitely know but then you hear of people that only eat like cheese and chips and that's all they've ever eaten for 20 years you don't necessarily about how ill they were but they still seem to be functioning yeah i find this very bizarre like there's a guy on tiktok he literally only ate chicken nuggets and chips for like the first 20 years and like all the tiktoks are his girlfriend like trying to feed him like normal food like sweet corn or like really basic foods it's like how is he still going surely he'd be very under nutritionized malnutritioned word but you know what yeah. i mean if you're living on just like chips and chicken nuggets like i'd imagine you'd be quite fat extremely dehydrated yeah really dehydrated <laughs> i guess it depends how much of it you eat as well but certain biological processes must not be working very well like i don't know your ability to repair cuts or i don't know how, vi- how vitamin d is made when you expose yourself to sunlight but that could be something that you're not very good at doing because you're missing so many other nutrients that would help you produce the vitamin d maybe so it's can only assume they sort of survive so well because they're not really doing much else i might be totally wrong about that though yeah maybe he is eating just other foods someone's sneaking them a multivitamin and they're just not classing that is what they eat yeah i mean i don't know i find it really interesting like i don't compare you know 100 kilograms of beef grams of beef versus 100 grams of like corn mint like i'm not eating the mints for its nutritional value i'm sort of eating it because i don't want to eat the meat so then the alternative is to just eat lentils or whatever. But because it's there, because it's cheap, I was like, well, I might as well eat that instead rather than kill a cow. That's my that's my very poorly explained ethics behind it. That's the cow's purpose in life, though. That's what they were bred for. Ooh. <laughs> Sounds harsh, right? But from what I remember from various things I've read along the years or been told is that things like chickens and cows and sheep look the way they do because humans have bred them for certain purposes. Yeah, that is actually true. That is true. That is true. The dairy cows, like, they have to be milked. They've been bred that if they don't get milked, they will actually die. Yeah, I've heard that as well. They just keep producing more and more milk and it's got no outlet. No outlet. Cows and sheep, like, they're really docile in nature because when we were, like, selectively breeding or picking different characteristics in, like, the wild, wild versions of the cows and sheep, uh, we kept the docile ones and let them breed and then killed all the ones who were too adventurous and kept wandering away. That does sound like a very humankind activity that we would have done. Yeah. In the UK, we used to have all different kinds of species. Like We used to have like bulls and stuff, but then those got killed off because farmers didn't like the bulls mating with our domesticated cows. The UK is a country that's killed off a lot of their native species. Like, there's no denying that. But we're not saying that we want to completely remove the meat industry. Like This is not what I want to do in terms of like UK farmers. I know a lot of UK farmers. You know, I want to support their industry, but also not eating meat is one of the best ways to reduce your climate impact and like is an easy swap for me. Yeah, I found a life cycle analysis of, I think it's Beyond Burger. Yeah. That was commissioned specially in comparing it to burgers made in the US. And what did they say? Um, It was definitely a lot smaller impact in terms of greenhouse gas emissions yeah corn claims that their mycoprotein takes 95 percent less co2 than beef mints to make which i mean that is a quite a hefty reduction do they talk about how they did that calculation 
this is what I wonder, because it's not just CO2, it's CO2 equivalent, right? So all the greenhouse gases. And what you often hear is that it's the methane from cows and sheep that's the problem, not necessarily just because they're breathing out yeah. CO2. Methane's a big one, but it's also like for meat, like deforestation's a big one too, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, if you're considering like where the cows are being bred. This is a big problem in places like Brazil, where people are wanting to eat more meat and so they need more land. And so they're wiping out big sections of the forest. So I guess that means that not all calculations of greenhouse gas emissions from the meat industry are comparable because it depends on where you're getting your meat from and how that land is managed. Yeah, usually when you look at the values, you do get a really big range depending on like just what the farming practices are. So if you had an organic pig farm in the UK, it'd be very different to like factory farmer in like US or in somewhere like China, I guess. Cause, just because the practices are different. Yeah, there's lots of different, like globally, like even us compared to America, compared to Denmark, compared to everywhere. Everyone's got their own standards of meat rearing. It's a shame you can't find out more about that. I know most meat sold in UK markets is from British origin, certainly the beef anyway. That's the other thing as well is food miles. Because if you're buying New Zealand lamb, like surely the CO2 for getting that to the UK is much higher than you know, buying a local lamb joint from your butcher down the road. Something else to consider um, looking at the life cycle analysis of Beyond Burger is water use. Yeah. Uh, water use from Beyond Burger was over 99% less than producing a beef patty of the same mass in the US. Yeah, it's because you need to like feed the cow. <laughs> And they'll need, they need a lot of water to grow stuff to feed the cow. Yeah. See, again, I suppose it depends on how you manage your cows. If your cow is just roaming freely and drinking water from a stream and then expelling that water, do you need to include that in your calculation? Or is that some, a natural process? Does it really matter? There is just like a really big variation if you're considering like grass-fed cows versus like cows that are just like reared in a factory condition. Yeah. And as someone that lives in sort of rural England where I can see the cows and the sheep in the fields. <laughs> I always assume that they're just roaming around quite happily. They probably are. People have water troughs in fields for livestock. Like, that's pretty common. I think the water use is surprisingly high, but I don't have any figures, unfortunately, about how much a cow drinks a day. <laughs> no, we're meant to be talking more about how how meat alternatives are made. I do know that the only real legislation around how minced beef is produced is around how they market it, so how much fat they say is in there. And then I think it's the collagen to what they call meat protein ratio. But I don't understand what they mean by meat protein because you get collagen in muscles anyway. Um, they do speculate that the meat has to come only from skeletal muscle, so the muscles that are used to make your limbs move around, not necessarily heart muscle or the muscles that are in like your intestine. But I find, just found the whole collagen thing a little bit weird because muscles are made of so many different proteins and collagen is a protein that it seemed like a bizarre thing to have to restrict. I think they were doing that purely because collagen also makes tendons and ligaments and you don't necessarily want that in your minced meat or ground beef if you're in the US. And a lot of the times what you put in minced meat is obviously not the best cuts of meat. It's not that it's not edible, it's just it's not nice enough to call it like the sirloin steak. I think it's older cattle sometimes as well, isn't it? Because I think younger cattle are tastier for like steaks and things. Yeah, the younger flesh is like tenderer. Because it has less collagen in it. So does that mean like if there's more collagen, it doesn't taste as nice? I think it just affects the texture and that's it. 
So yeah, I didn't quite understand the full details of why too much collagen in mincemeat is bad. You can still absorb it into your body as well and still make use of it. You have collagen in your body. It must be a flavour thing. It must be a customer demand thing, isn't it? Collagen is like all over the place for like looking useful. So maybe they will consider like having like extra collagen meats. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a limit to how much collagen you'd want in your sausage and beef burger though. Yeah, but if it's the name of, of looking useful. If you're selling it in the beauty industry, someone will buy it. I mean, they sell collagen capsules like if you're gonna ingest it that way might as well just like eat it with a steak (laughs) does it make a difference if you're eating a steak with extra collagen if you're like smearing it on your face in some kind of fancy beauty face cream (laughs) i mean do both do both and uh, take 10 years off your appearance Yeah. I guess one thing I didn't look into when I was thinking of regulations was how you regulate what's in meat alternative products. Apart from corn, it's quite an emerging industry. I think corn was invented in like the 1960s in response to a possible, we might run out of ways of producing food because the human population is expanding. And it still is. There's like a big thing about calling like a fake meat sausage a sausage. Yeah, but that's about labelling. So if like you see, if you see a product that has the word sausage on, like for quite a few people, you'd think of like, oh, a meat sausage, not necessarily like a meat-free sausage. So like if you're buying something that says sausage on it, thinking, oh, it's like a pork sausage, then you eat it and you're like, wait, what's this? This isn't pork sausage. You'd be quite upset. I kind of feel like if you're just picking up food in a supermarket, it sounds like we all kind of look at what we're eating and think about it. I think there's an argument to say, well, the person buying it should kind of be paying attention to what they're buying. Yeah, I would agree with that. And not all sausages are equal. I think France banned it, didn't they? About not using meat terms for veggie stuff. Sausage has to be meat to be a sausage. (laughs) The existential crisis of a sausage. Like, what is a sausage? What am I? What am I? This is like my research of, so what actually is meat? What is in muscle? I was looking at nutritional contents of just minced beef in the supermarket. That was my starting point for my research. I'm like, it's only 20% protein, regardless of how much fat is in there. And I think it can legislate up to 25% fat in mincemeat and apparently muscle is 75% water anyway so human bodies are 75% water so it makes sense muscles are also 75% water and then I think they're only like 20% protein yeah so I'm just looking on Tesco's and 100 grams of minced beef has 20 grams of protein in it so yeah it's about the same right yeah because I was kind of wondering well do they just kind of like cut up all the muscle and then adding extra things to it that they don't necessarily have to tell you about because apparently if it's minced beef minced meat they don't necessarily have to specify if they've added other things to it really that's what I read so I find that a little bit odd I find that odd but maybe I misunderstood it correctly and um, maybe I didn't quite understand what they were saying it was some sort of legislative wording thing that the meat industry understands and I'm not in the meat industry so I didn't get but I think skeletal muscles are only about 1-10% to 10% fat so they can add extra fat in if you're allowed up to 25% hmm. so maybe that's part of the legislation to make sure people aren't eating too much fat because a lot of fat in your diet is a bad thing yeah so the fat of 100 grams of minced beef is 4.5 grams of fat is that the lean yeah Tesco lean beef steak mince but then if you compare it to something like corn mince so 100 grams of corn has 1.7 grams of fat, but then it's only got 13 grams of protein compared to 20 grams in beef. So maybe that's the uh, trade-off. Less protein, but then less fat as well. So still more water in there, I guess, or more other fluids or things that aren't protein and fat. There's a lot of fibre in corn. 7.5 grams of fibre in 100 grams of corn. 
And then in beef, there's no fibre. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, because apparently very few people eat as much fibre as you're meant to get. So maybe in that respect, corn is the better option because it sounds more nutritionally balanced. Like, I guess it just depends on like how you're eating the meat versus the fake meat products. So if it's part of a balanced diet, then both are as, as nutritions. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't eaten meat in a very long time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need to pay attention to it. You don't care. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel I really don't know that much about the meat industry. How are they getting the mints? Like, what is mint? Is it just like the leg of a cow ground up? Or are they adding things back into it? I realised how much I do not know about this. Yeah, that's why I tried to look into it. It sounds like it's not as bad as what you might imagine. No, that's promising. <laughs> you take your animal, you cut out the best bits of meat to use as these particular cuts, like sirloin steak or whatever. And then the bits that are left that are meat and not like bone or organs or the head or the feet, apparently. They're not allowed. Yeah. You take as much of that as you can to make the mince meat. And then whatever meat is left clinging to the bones can be mechanically reclaimed and then used to make something else again. Laura, I feel like you should have just like interviewed your your butcher. <laughs> we should have got Laura's butcher on the <laughs> podcast. That's what we're missing. That's just like asking, what is meat? I think he would have just looked at me like, oh, she maybe looked at me like I was a little bit crazy. <laughs> like collagen in its... I don't know, base form is not meat, right? But it's just contained within me. It's a protein within me, right? This is when you sort of think, yeah, if I just need protein, it sounds like all proteins are fine. So the body breaks them down into the amino acids and they're absorbed and then used to do things. And it sounds like it doesn't really matter where those proteins come from as long as you eat a variety of protein sources. I think that's fair. Like, I think it's what they say, like everything in moderation, right? Like eat a little bit of everything and you're probably covering most things that you need and you're probably just getting a lot of beetroot as well along the way which isn't the bad thing the important thing seems to be to get some fat in your diet fat-free diets are not good because you have certain vitamins soluble in fats that's the only way you can absorb them if you also have fat in your diet as well and there are some essential fatty acids which the body either can't make them tell itself or it can but in a really inefficient process like the different like omega-3 36 yeah the um our national health service wonderful people that they are <laughs> recommend that you do actually eat animal sources of omega-3 because some research claims that vegetable sources aren't as beneficial oh. and as far as i can tell that's because so there are three different types of omega-3 the body can make two of them from the one that's found in vegetable sources it sounds like a weird recipe vegetable based sauce <laughs> sounds delicious <laughs> i couldn't really find a lot about that research i think i need to look into that a bit more because i always thought yeah i'll just get some omega-3 from like flax seeds i put flax seeds in pretty much all of my meals now i don't think i've ever eaten a flax seed maybe that's where i'm going wrong i just take a supplement <laughs> <laughs> That's the engineer's answer. <laughs> Jasmine is living and dying by her supplement. Yes. I was just looking at my packets to see that they said anything about omega-3, but they don't. But I thought, isn't omega-3 the one you get from like oily fish? Yeah, and eggs, I think, as well. Oh, eggs, okay, I'll be all right then. I do wonder if I'm like missing out on like secret things that I don't know about. When I was eating much more meat, was I getting more things that I needed? Or have I cut it out? It's actually a good thing because of like antibiotics in meat and all of the like other bad things that are getting put in through farming i yeah i kind of wanted this as well and every time i try and look into it i realize how complicated the human body is that even the research that we currently have although there's a massive amount of it still doesn't know exactly what's happening it doesn't know how we absorb all of these things and then use them in our bodies the advice just seems to be just eat a, a varied diet eat a lot of many different things the other thing is as well like a lot of these vegetarian alternatives are quite new like i don't think there's necessarily the same level of research on these ones like obviously people have been eating cows and sheep for millennia but we've not been eating corn sausages for that long comparatively 
So maybe we don't know the long-term impacts. Of- there will be studies into this. There'll be like a cross-section of the population taken. Oh, there's got to be. I think one possible side benefit of the alternative meat industry might be into 3D printing of it, which sounds weird, right? But growing, <laughs> get even weirder and say growing body parts in a lab is a genuine medical need. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say at all. <laughs> but there is definite research into, you know, like growing organs. Yes. Someone gets injured or gets ill and like you need a heart replacement and there is no donor that is compatible. They can grow one for you. I do think that is yeah. potentially incredible, the ability to 3D print an organ. And then like these lab grown meats as well, like you could make a beef burger using beef cells without ever killing a cow fake meats aren't even really fake meat this goes back to the what is meat if you can culture stem cells from a sheep and you can make lamb without killing the sheep because you've just taken a few cells and you've not you know there's no slaughtering process like would you eat a lab-based grown meat would you take the 3d printed heart i would i mean if i was dying i would but you don't want to be the first one do you see if it works if you're dying anyway (laughs) (laughs) if it's your last hope (laughs) you can make medical history yeah and i can see that the if the meat industry is looking into how to 3d print uh, just like the muscle fibers so the the fake meat has the same texture as meat from an animal then that does have sort of offshoots into medicine which i think is probably a good thing yeah but i also generally think why are you trying so hard to make something be something that it's not there is an element of that like i see these fake meat lab grown meat things and they bleed and i don't i don't need it to bleed i didn't well to be fair i never ate steak very rare either because i didn't want to see it bleed yeah that's a weird thing for me i'm like no i will not buy this if it's gonna like i don't want to see blood unless it's like beetroot juice (laughs) all comes back to the beetroot beetroot juice i don't mind but like if it's actually like bleeding that's kind of weird the appeal for me is that if you're doing it from the cells of the animal without killing the animal then in theory you wouldn't need like a field full of sheep to have lamb mints and i'm going to go back to my sort of rural background and uh (laughs) given i live literally there are sheep in the fields like 20 meters from my house if we're not eating meat from animals what happens to all those sheep what will the British countryside look like if we don't have as big a meat industry as we do now? It's not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. I just I just wonder. I'm so used to seeing it. Rewilding! <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point, is that I'm not trying to put anyone out of a job, necessarily. But I think the farming that we do now, on a global level, is not sustainable. We all know that the earth is in dire straits, and the land, part of that is habitat loss and land loss for people and farming, because we need the food to feed the people and build the cities and all of this. But if you could eliminate that need and you could just have one or several factories making lab-grown meat, would that save you on the space and the water? Would the CO2 production be less? Maybe. Yeah, that's a fair point, actually. I guess if people now gradually transition out of eating as much meat, given the population is still growing, maybe the meat industry won't change at all. It'll just stay the same. It won't keep growing. It will just feed more people, being supplemented by things that are grown in vats. <laughs> well, that would be for the UK. Outside of Western countries, like meat consumption is going up. If people are becoming more wealthy and they want to eat meat because it's a luxury product. So like, wouldn't there also be like a market for the UK to export all their meat overseas? Yeah, I guess you need that global picture to figure out if we're doing this for climate change reasons and to feed populations then you'd need to have that global understanding yeah and also if you were to scale up corn to be like the global producer of beef in the same way that cows are could it scale up would it scale you know because you're still gonna have to get and like peas if we're all going to eat pea protein we need to suddenly switch from cows to 
peas like growing peas still takes water and resources but like peas and stuff like it would probably would be less resources used because like when you're growing peas like you need to grow a lot of peas just to feed a cow to get it to a state where you can like then kill it for meat whereas if you just use that directly to feed people then you would end up with like less peas and like soybeans having need to be grown but the reason there's so much meat farming around near me is because the land isn't necessarily suitable for any other use only agricultural use so you may as well use that land to, to have the cows living on it like with sheep they have another purpose which is like you can use them for wool but like what other purpose do cows have besides meat and dairy so we've started off the conversation is what is in these meat alternatives and now we're sort of broadening it out to what if all meat alternatives just completely replace meat don't have an answer we have no clue what will happen because we haven't done the research future episode maybe what would the world look like if the world went vegetarian will cows and sheep only be in like zoos or petting zoos or or pets maybe they'll be pets yes i mean people do have pet cows that's not unheard of Yeah, I guess that's something we can maybe speculate on in the future as well, like what we'll be eating and how we'll be eating and where we get it from. So I I guess that's uh, where we will end this. So you guys both eat meat alternative products. I prefer just eating actual beans. I feel like I understand better where they come from. I'm not completely against alternative products. Corn dinosaurs. (laughs) Have a look. We're all sort of agreed that ultimately you just want a really varied diet. Yeah, definitely. And if you could look into how a product is made and if there was more transparency in that process, I think that would help people make more informed decisions about what they're eating and whether they should be eating it. Kind of feel like, you know, if if they don't tell you how it's made, do you really want to eat it? Does corn need to be so protective of their product? And as the three of us don't really know what meat is. (laughs) Even though we're made of it. So what we're saying is don't eat anything because you don't know what's in it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> ah, marvellous. So on that bombshell, please ignore that last piece of advice. That is obviously <laughs> not very scientific. No. Find us on Twitter if you want to keep chatting about this. Otherwise, we will see you next time for our 50th ever episode. Yay! <laughs> and we have something special planned for that one, so stay tuned. Bye. Goodbye. Bye! The views expressed in this podcast belong entirely to the person that said them. They do not represent any industry or organisation. If you enjoyed listening to these views, it would really help us out if you could rate us, leave a review and tell a friend. This podcast was sponsored by no one, but if you're interested in funding us to continue to have frank discussions about science and engineering, please get in touch.